Father, we thank you for everything that you've given us. We thank you that your gospel is going out to the world, that the kingdom is growing um, everywhere. And this morning, we just want to show our gratitude by giving back to you. I ask that you bless every giver here and that for us at the church, you give us wisdom to use the resources for your kingdom and for your glory. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Josh. My name is John Moore. I'm the lead pastor. Is that hot? Um, okay. Um, I want to do two things. One, you guys, many of you have heard that, that Ross had surgery, um, uh, the McLeod family and Diane, uh, and today, normally Ross and Diane sit right behind Kate and I in the second row right here, and um, he had to have um, brain surgery. He had a tumor and they removed the tumor, so please be praying for them. They're doing, he's doing well, but he's still in recovery. Anytime you talk about anything close to the brain, you're talking, it, it's, it's an issue. So be, please be praying for them and the family. Um, but I, Diane wanted to give you guys the update that he's, he's doing well, and he's out of surgery, and he's doing as good as he can do. So, um, but keep them in your prayers, please. Um, and then also, I want to let you guys know that um, in two weeks from like this last Friday, we're going to go on a men's retreat. So all of our guys pay close attention. And actually, ladies, if you want your man to like, to work, maybe work through some junk in his life, or maybe you're saying, you know what, wouldn't it be, bad, wouldn't it be awesome if my man fell a little more in love with Jesus or, or men, if you just want to have like a great time with guy time together, um, like sign up and jump in. So today's the last day that we're going to be like making public announcements because we have to, we have a meeting this Wednesday. We're going to be tidying up all the details. We have um, our church and there's a, another vineyard church. We have about, about 60 guys all together, about 30 from us, 30 from them. So it's going to be a great weekend together. Uh, Dr. Eric Sanders is going to be with us. He's one of my good friends. He leads a church in Colorado Springs called the Sanctuary Church. He's going to be amazing. Um, and I've, he did some, um, he did some guys out, not outreach, but he did retreats for us before um, in my church from Baton Rouge. And he does an amazing job, like heart of gold, um, great speaker, great time together. So if you want to get out of this out of this space, get some breathing space. God does some really cool things. Is just we get away from the crowd, the hustle and bustle, and actually breaking out of your normal life routine does something really good for you. So I want to encourage you guys. If you haven't signed up, today's your day. You have to put a fifty dollar deposit down. The total costs one hundred eighty dollars. I think we have a scholarship left or two. So talk to Dan or some of the guys that are out there. But today's the day. Due date. If you're going to go, you got to sign up today, okay? So um, that's that. And we're starting this brand new series today. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I think that this series, God's going to use it in our lives to deepen some, some, to deepen some core things in our lives. And so it's called Soul Awakening, and the subtitle is Caring for the Most Important Part of You. And so we want to dive into what is... The soul, I actually, so many times, we don't even, we talk about the soul. We sing about the soul during worship. We sing a song about the soul, and yet sometimes we don't even understand what it is. So today we want to unpack that and look at that, and what does that mean in our lives. 
And um, as we go through this series, I'm going to be, as a reference point for the whole series, I'll be using John Ortberg's book called Soul Keeping. It's a great book. And a second book I want to reference, which we'll be unpacking a lot of Dallas Willard's teaching throughout this series. If, you haven't, if you're not familiar with Dallas Willard, um, I want to encourage you guys to get a book or two of his. One of my favorite books of all time is, is Renovation of the Heart. It's a great read, and it, it takes us deep, as well as like The Divine Conspiracy is in, like, in the top ten of my all-time books ever. Um, Dallas Willard, Divine Conspiracy. So um, we're going to be using those books through this series. But, um, so let me just jump in with the beginning of this series. Uh, and I think if you just open up your heart a little bit, I think God's going to use this to really deepen what's going on in your heart and life. Um, even through some difficult things that we go through, the, the hardest times, our soul can be alive and quickened before God. So a politician was in politics for far too long. He was jaded. His sensitivity towards his constituency, um, he, he just had a, this jaded heart. And into his office one day walks the devil himself. And Satan has a conversation with this politician. And halfway through the conversation, Satan offers this politician an offer. And he sets this... Um, he says, I'm going to offer you an amazing life. I'm going to brighten your political future. I'm going to give you great power. I'm going to give you prestige and possessions beyond your wildest dreams. All you have to do is sign away on the dotted line your soul. All, that's all you have to do is trade in your soul. So if you sign here, you're good. And instantly the politician grabs the paperwork, grabs the nearest pen, and signs as fast as he can. And the devil's like, man, this is the easiest assignment I've, like, I've ever had. Like, this is so, this is like, I didn't even have to talk him through it. And as Satan's walking out of this office, the politician stopped and asked, now that I've closed the deal, it's done, Satan. We're, it's sealed. Um, tell me, I get all of these wonderful things, and all you get from me is my soul. What's the catch? <laughs> okay, it's supposed to be, it's a joke. <laughs> What's the catch? And, and so often in life, we, we talk about the soul, we sing songs about the soul, but we don't even know what the soul is. The soul, we know it matters. We suspect that it's important, but we're not sure what it means. It's a mysterious word. It's a deep word. It's even a little spooky at times. Like, have you guys, like, two days after Halloween, we have All Souls Day. It sounds like uh, disembodied uh, spirits floating at Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, right? Um, how many times have we recited before you've gone to sleep? I learned this as a kid. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. <gasps> Those are like scary words for a seven-year-old. Anne Lamott once talk, was talking about this prayer, and she said, that prayer so did not work for me. Don't be taking my soul. Leave me right here in my 50-pound body. But, but if I expire before I wake, before sunrise... And God takes my soul, what exactly gets taken? 
So that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what is the soul? Well, Patricia suffered the effects of diabetes, a heart attack. She had two strokes. She went blind. She went into renal failure. Her legs got amputated, all while in her 30s. Uh, Patricia was part of a church in Washington, D.C., and this church had this heart to reach out to the homeless community, and they wanted to... um, they wanted to sponsor a homeless shelter. And so they couldn't find anybody that had the skills to, to pull this together. And finally, Patricia volunteered. She said, I would love, nobody else wants to do it, I'll do it. And so she volunteered. In between her dialysis, amputations, and comas, she pulled together a team. She had the zoning things changed. She figured out the architecture for this building that was to be built. She did fundraising, she set up the rules for the shelter, she recruited and trained the staff, and she ran the home the first year. When Patricia died, after the first year of this homeless shelter being successful, um, homeless people stood next to U.S. cabinet members at her funeral. Like Secretary of State James Baker was standing right next to a homeless person at her funeral, okay? The soul knows a glory that no body, no single body can actually rob. In Patricia's case, the more her body revolted, the more her soul shined through to the greater community. People claim that all you are is a body, But Patricia said this. She said, the only thing that I can depend on with my body is that it will fail me. Somehow, my body is mine, but it's not me. That is a wise heart and soul. Do you know why there's so much value and mystery to your existence? It's because of that tiny, little, precious thing called your soul. That is why you're so valuable. Tiny, fragile, vulnerable, precious little thing, your soul. You are not just a self, you are a soul. And in Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. You are a soul, Made by God, made for God, made to need God. Which means you are not self-sufficient. We are not self-sufficient people. We're not made to be self-sufficient. And so today I want to, as we're unpacking what the soul is and what does that look like, why is this important, um, this is actually... This is important here. Your life is under the direction of your soul. Your life is under the direction of your soul. So Dallas Willard was speaking at a vineyard conference in Anaheim that I was at. And at the time, I was was completely unaware of Dallas Willard's writings. But I like speakers that have something to say. And uh, one day I... You know, I'm at this, this big, it's all these vineyard pastors from all over the U.S. gathered together. And um, I'm listening to Dallas Willard speak. And 
I'm just mesmerized by his heart and his disposition. And afterwards, I was just kind of watching him as he interacted with these other pastors. And one of the things I noticed that I, as I walked away, Dallas was like, just stood here, listened to these pastors share their stories. He was in no hurry, no rush. And he listened to the, like everything he wanted to say, they, they wanted to say to him. He was, he just had an ear and listened. And I walked away saying, wow, I want to be a, I want to have a heart like that. I just observed a, a pastor's heart for people. Like, and most of the time, if I'm honest, most of the time when I'm done speaking, I'm like a little bit like, how did I do? How did, how did everybody read it? Were, were people awake? Were they alive? Did they, they look like they're engaging? Does, how many people said that they liked it? All those questions are in the back of my head. But guess what? That wasn't Dallas. Dallas, he didn't care about his performance. When he spoke, he just wanted to speak to help people. And I pray that I eventually get there. I'm not there. But I pray I eventually get there. It was as though impatience, worry, and striving were just not in his body. So, you know, he's one of my heroes, not just because of the books he wrote, because of the life he lived. I want you to know that. So when I read his books, I have these pictures of Dallas, and I have friends that knew Dallas personally. And I love, I, I, I have them share those stories with me. Impatience, worry, striving, they were not in his body. He had an inner life that I desire in my own, in my own being. He was at peace with life, at peace with God, and at peace with those around him. I want us, through this series, to begin to unpack what a life like that could look like. Dallas Willard in Renovation of the Heart said this, so the book that I recommended. What is running your life at any given moment is your soul. Not your circumstances, not your thoughts, not your intentions, not even your feelings, but your soul. The soul is the aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. The soul is the life center of human beings. If your soul is healthy, no external circumstance can destroy your life. And if your soul is unhealthy, no external circumstance can redeem your life. Everything depends upon your soul. So what is your soul? What exactly, John, is the soul? And again, let me uh, lean into Dallas Willard. Uh, he said, the soul seeks harmony, connection, and integration. The human soul seeks to integrate our, our will, mind, and body so that you become a whole person. Beyond that, the soul seeks to connect us with other people, creation, and with God. It is the deepest part of who you are, and it is the whole person. So let me summarize that. The soul is the real you. The real you. When you say, I, I am John, who am I? I am a collection of like all this past and I have, uh, I have all this stuff that we, I'm, I, I understand myself this way. But who I really am is not this shell, but it's, it's my soul is the real me, my soul. 
So your soul is what integrates your will, your intentions, your mind, your thoughts, feelings, and values, and your body, your physical body, and your actions into a single life. A soul is healthy when there's harmony between your, your will, mind, and body and God's intention for your life. When you are connected with God and other people, you have a healthy soul. When you're connected with our Creator and other people around you, you have a healthy soul. You notice that we live in a society of unhealthy souls? Pretty much everywhere you go. Um, there was a businessman, this is a true story, businessman, um, he, he raised his business, I mean, he built it from the ground up, he invested all of his life into it, he had kids, but his kids barely saw him. Um, you know when things that make you smile, you talk about them around the dinner table, well, his kids all knew that his business made him smile, but they didn't make him smile, and his kids all knew that he invested all his time, energy, and life into his business and that they, they felt um, that they didn't matter and insecure. And um, so he spent all his time, all his energy building this corporate empire. All of his business employees and even those that he helped him build this company, they all felt used by him. So his wife felt, feels used, his kids feel used. Everybody feels used around him. And uh, he decided to build a magnificent home here in Southern California overlooking the ocean, and he did. It's this big mansion up on a hill. Well, guess what? He had a stroke. And no one came to visit him. Today, he sits in a wheelchair overlooking the ocean. Breathtaking view but he has no one. No one came to visit, visit him. Nobody from his work, not one of his children, not even his wife wants to look at him. And today he's breathing in oxygen as he stares over at the ocean in his mansion, obsessed with what he owns, but he remains incapable of gratitude or generosity at all. That is an unhealthy soul. No, that's an extreme case, right? But look at, if you just, the average person that you run into, there is this mixture of health and a lot of unhealth in our lives, right? But this is a picture of the ruined soul, a soul that's disintegrated, right? It's not integrated. His life's not integrated together. When I think of this businessman, I recall Jesus' teaching about the soul. Jesus said this, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Now, I used to have this thought that this verse meant that in the long run, it wouldn't do any good for us to acquire a lot of money and have a lot of sex and uh, collect all the stuff that we can dream of if you end up going to hell. And here's what Dallas Willard said about this text. He said, Jesus is not talking here about people going to hell. That is not what Jesus is saying. That might end up happening, but that's not the point, Jesus' point. Jesus is talking about a diagnosis, not a destination. For the ruined soul, the unhealthy soul, 
um, the will, the mind, and body are disintegrated. They're disconnected from God. Acquiring the whole world will never produce satisfaction, yet alone meaning and goodness in your life. To lose my soul means I no longer have a healthy center that organizes and guides my life in the right direction. I'm, I'm, I'm a wandering person going from thing to thing, trying to have a certain experience or thing that I purchased make me happy and satisfy me. And guess what? It never satisfies. It never satisfies, does it? To lose my soul means I no longer have a healthy center that organizes and guides my life. So it's like you're a car without a steering wheel. It doesn't matter how fast you can go, right? You're an accident waiting to happen. You can go really fast. You push the pedal down, but you don't have a steering wheel to steer it. It's just a collision waiting to, come, waiting to happen, right? You don't have to believe the Bible to believe this. Just look at our society. Look, at, look all around you. Look at Amy Winehouse or Howard Hughes or larger society or even us, right? Everybody thinks that the problem is their spouse or their kids or their extended family or their job or their health. It's not. What the problem is, is our soul. That's the problem. That's the real problem that we have to tackle. What Jesus said is true. Gaining the whole outside world does not help if your inside world collapses. We live in a planet of lost souls. That is the human problem. So, the neglected soul doesn't go away. It goes awry. The neglected soul doesn't go away. It goes awry. And our world has replaced the word soul with the word self. And they're not the same things. The more we focus on ourselves, the more we tend to neglect our soul. To focus on my soul means to look at my life under the care and connection with God. To focus on myself apart from God means losing awareness of what ultimately matters most. We're disconnected from God and relationships and people and family. We're disconnected. The Journal of American Medical Association talked about a study that indicates that in the 20th century, people that lived in each generation were three times more likely to experience depression than the generation before them. If you just let that sink in for a minute. People are increasingly becoming more prone to depression. Three times more every generation. And the question is, well, why? Martin Spiegelman said it, he's a non-religious, he has no religious entanglements at all. He's a non-religious psychologist, has this theory that it's because we've replaced church faith, and community with self. We've replaced church, community, family with ourself. We're all about the self. All of our lives revolve around the self. And ironically, the more obsessed we are with ourselves, the more we neglect our soul. And all of our language reflects this, doesn't it? So if you're empty, fulfill yourself. If you're stressed, take care of yourself. 
If you're on a job interview, believe in yourself. If you're at a tattoo parlor, express yourself. If somebody dares to criticize you, love yourself. If you're not getting your own way, stand up for yourself. What do you do if you're going to go on a date? Be yourself. What, what if yourself is an absolute train wreck, right? What do you do then? You guys, self is a standalone, do-it-yourself unit. While the soul reminds us that we're not made for ourselves. So let me, and I, throughout this series, we're going to be unpacking how do we have, how do we embrace a healthy soul? How, what is God saying? What is God, how does God want to renew our souls? So the whole series about soul health and soul care and awakening of our souls. But today I want to give you one little tidbit, maybe the beginning to unpacking how do we move forward. Like here's, you've, yeah, John, you define the soul, and you talked about the soul, and yep, I can tell like there's areas of my soul needs to grow. What do we do? Well, let me talk about attending the soul just for a moment. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me, all who are weary. And in Jesus, you will find rest for your souls. That is what we need, isn't it? That's what we need as a people. As God's people, we need rest for our souls. So when I go to the ocean or I go backpacking, um, and I'm just alone out in nature with my kids, like, all of a sudden, I realize in a, in a different way than just in my normal life that I am loved by God. In a different way than normal, I realize I, I don't have to perform. And I, I, I've always wrestled with, like, performance-driven mentality, even as a pastor. Like, I wrestle with that. That's, like... It's a constant thing that I have to try to kind of work through. But when I'm alone for a period of time, my need to perform melts away. I'm reminded that God loves me. The expectations and roles and all that performance stuff, it all melts away. And you know what I experience when I'm out in nature with God? I experience God shining on my soul, caring my soul in a unique way i realize in god's eyes how important my soul is and it's interesting that i I feel like i almost have to break away it i feel my actually body changing my soul feels its worth when i just get away and i don't really understand it all but i do know that I need my soul refreshed by God. I need my soul quickened by God. I need to be awakened by God. You are only able to live in a way that, that really helps and when you love others when you feel the, the, the worth of your soul. You can't help others. You will constantly be 
be kind of nitpicking if you yourself don't experience the worth of your own soul before God. We often pay far more attention to our work and our bodies and our finances than we do our souls. But the soul is what you will take into eternity. Attending to the soul doesn't mean that we neglect practical things like our career or health, but the soul ties all of those things together. That's what the soul does. It integrates everything. It doesn't mean I simply ask, how can I be more successful in my work or acquire more money? Instead, we learn how my involvement in each area of my life is marking my soul. And think of it that way. Everything that you do marks your soul in a certain way. Well, how is your work marking your soul? How are the things that you're experiencing daily, how is that marking and shifting and changing your soul? And that's a great question. So, so how is my pursuit of my financial stability marking my soul? And is it out of whack? My need to be successful in life, how is that marking my soul? Did you know that your soul can be all right when everything else in your world is wrong. Um, here's, let's look at 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen him, Jesus, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The salvation of your souls is not just about where you go when you die. The word salvation means healing or deliverance at the deepest part of who you are. Sooner or later, your world will fall apart. Sooner or later, all of our worlds tend to fall apart. And what will matter in that moment is the soul that you've constructed. That's what's going to matter. Horatio Spafford um, he invested most of what he had in real estate. He was living in Chicago in the late 1800s, uh, 1871, and he was there during the great Chicago fire that burned half the city down. Well, guess what? His house burned down, his business burned down. Every, pretty much everything that he owned, he had very little money actually left over, and, um, all, and he was trying to figure out life. And so what he did is he decided to send his four girls and his wife on a ship back to England for a season until he settled the affairs and got things situated in Chicago. So, he sends them to England to reactivate his business and really kind of focus in um, while he's trying to rebuild their house and all this other stuff without much money. And he gets a telegram from his wife a couple days after they take off on this ship. And it says, the telegram says, Saved alone, what shall I do? The ship that they were on crashed. And all four of his daughters died. His wife was spared her life. Horatio boarded another ship to England and as he passed over the waters, the very place in the ocean where four of his girls drowned, Horatio wrote this song. 
when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Imagine a heart and a life that has been so formed by God where the soul is so healthy that in the middle of the most darkest moment of your life, you are able to pen words like that. There's not many songs that last 10 years, yet alone 150 years later where the church is still singing them. So let me give you a couple practical tips today. Number one, are you getting enough sleep? Now I know that some of you love sleep because you're sleeping right now. <laughs> but sleep itself can be an act of trusting God. It can be. Um, because I know that when my will, my mind, my body are doing nothing at all in my life, I know that God is running the universe. And sometimes you, so I don't know about you, but like I, since I have performance issues and I'm constantly wrestling with God, heal my soul up and try to make me healthy. Like sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and my brain runs. I'm like, and I didn't do this and I have to do this and here's this situation and I have to go. I'm like, and I can't, it's this ticker tap, tack tape, like running, my mind just runs. And I have to like lay it down and say, God, you're running the universe. I'm okay. I trust you. Right? So earlier in this week, Kate and I got this information that the couple that was looking at our home in Baton Rouge that were super interested, asking us all these questions that we thought we were going to have an offer, like backed out. And, and in that moment, I have to say, how's my soul? How am I doing? And I have to say, God, you have a plan. I don't get it. But you've got a plan. And I can still say it is well with my soul, even though I don't get it. Even though I don't fully understand it. Number two, there's always two ways you can live. One will exhaust your soul to live like Atlas. Do you remember the story of Atlas in Greek mythology? Uh, what did he carry on your shoulders? Like the weight of the world, okay? So you guys, we can live like that, or we can try to live like that. Or we can live a different way. A second way is just called resting in God. And in the present moment by Jean-Pierre Jean, Jean -Pierre de Clausade, he said this, the soul that rests in God is light as a feather, fluid as water, innocent as a child, responding to every moment of grace like a floating balloon. Amazing words. Did you know that your soul can live like that? This light as a balloon, just like floating with God's grace and wind and mercy. Light as a feather. Okay, see this as an invitation of Jesus. This is an invitation from our Heavenly Father for us, God's people, and you will find rest for your soul. And number three, 
The more we focus on just our physical world, ourselves, the more we neglect our soul, our souls. When meeting with close friends and family, ask them a question that is powerful and sobering. How is your soul? So when you say, how are you? Or how's, you could, basically you're saying, how's yourself, right? But when you actually ask, how's your soul? It like changes everything. So our governing board, every time we have a meeting, our governing board meeting, the governing board asks me this question. And sometimes... I stumble upon my words, trying to define, where, how am I? Like, what's really going on? What's really the depths of who I am, where I'm going, and what God's doing with me? But it's a beautiful question, and I think it's a question that the church, if we pushed into it, it, it changes how we view each other. It says, like, you, are, you have a soul that is infinite worth before God. How is the real you doing? And so ask each other that question. It's not a simple question, though. And you can't just say, I'm doing well. Right? It's a deep question. So how is your soul? So why don't you guys um, stand with me? And as we're going to sing the song, we're going to have our ministry team come on up. But before we do that, just as the band's playing a little bit, this is a soul moment for you and God. And if you could, just, if you don't mind working with me just for a minute, just close your eyes. And just imagine taking a nap on God's hands. Imagine your infinite finite, tiny little body resting in God's hands right now. And as that picture is in your mind's eye, ask yourself, what weight are you carrying today? Jesus is in the soul healing business. Let him speak to your soul. Just give him a little bit longer and just try to answer, what, what weight are you carrying? This God's holding you in his hand. We have our ministry team come on up forward. And if you need prayer this morning, we would love to pray for you. We're going to sing this last song together. And I want, as we sing this song, you should be asking yourself, how is my soul? But I want you to know Jesus is in the soul mending and healing business.
It's part of his job description. He loves doing that for you and I. So where does your soul need to be healed? Maybe it's from sin that weighs you down. Maybe it's from some regrets that you've accumulated. Maybe it's from a loss that's too deep for words. Where does your soul need to be healed? And our ministry team would love to pray for you for that. Also during our pre-service prayer, here's a couple things that the Holy Spirit highlighted to that prayer group. Um, There's a couple here that you're in marriage counseling and you just need healing. And the Holy Spirit wants to do a deeper work right now. It's like a soul work this morning. And we encourage you to get some prayer. Um, If you're here and you're dealing with fear, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, There's also somebody that had a picture of a door. You're trying to push through a door, but that door has been sealed by God and you you keep fighting trying to push through the door, but it's something that the Holy Spirit's actually protecting you from going through. And if that's you, um, you feel like you're fighting against that door, uh, get some prayer this morning. And if you have back problems or sinus problems or broken heart this morning, we would love to pray for you. So let's sing this song together and ask yourself, how is my soul as we sing this song? And if you need prayer, our prayer partners are up front. We'll have our official closing benediction prayer in just a minute, but let's sing this song together and our prayer partners are up front. Let's sing.